Welcome to this month's Disability and Podcast, bringing together thoughtful discussion and debate. This month, Mind the Gap's associate producer, Paul Wilshaw, chats with theatre and TV freelance actor Rob Ewins about some of his successes on screen and stage. Hello, and welcome to Disability and Podcast. Today, our guest is Rob Ewens. Will you introduce yourself? Yeah. Hi, my name's Rob, and uh, I'm an actor, and um, I've been really lucky to have quite a lot of different roles to play, so yeah. Like I say, it's great to have you. How did your career get started? So, um, acting was kind of a hobby for me for a while. Uh, I used to go to a, a, um, a theatre club near me, and uh, I used to do that... Um, until I got offered uh, an audition for um, a place at Minor Gap called Staging Changes, which was like um, a, a, a little guide to going to different drama schools. So you would go one week to one drama school, do something like Midsummer Night's Dream, and you'd be taught all the, the, the rules and skills and, that you needed for that. Um, and you would do it like a performance, and then next month you'd do a different show or learn new skills from a completely different drama school and something like Greek theatre, so it's something completely different. Um, and, yeah, it was wonderful. And, yeah, it just snowballed from there, really. I ended up getting my first acting job through Minor Gap um, called The Mothership. So you said about it being your hobby. Did you join any drama groups or before you joined Mind the Gap? Yeah, so there was one near me. Um, uh, Zinc Arts is what it's called now. But um, at the time, um, yeah, we were doing workshops. We were doing, um, uh, like, learning drama there, music, lots of different things. So it's kind of a, a mixed bag. Um, and yeah, um, one of my friends went to do the staging changing course and I filled in for them. And then they went, oh, you should do this course as well afterwards. And I was like, okay then. <laughs> <laughs> and why do you think it's so important that when you're young to actually do uh, drama schools? And was there any uh, barriers that were put in your way? I was very lucky that it was a drama uh, club that was from disabled and non-disabled as well. So it was it was nice because it, it got people to mingle and make friends. Like that's a very important thing, like to socialize because then you, you learn to work well with each other. And I made some good friends there, like some lifelong friends there. The drama is important, but if you learn to like really connect with people and make good friendships then you you learn off each other yes certainly and i think that is so important of when you're starting out and being young is that you do mingle in and there's been integration so you said that you came up to mind the gap can you tell us a bit about your first show that you've done at mind the gap oh, so, uh, so uh we did boo which was um, To Kill a Mockingbird. And it was great because we had quite a lot of R&D 
moments of finding characters and um, building up these scenes. And we had the writer, Mike Kinney, there, which is great. For people that don't know what R&D is, that is research development. And Mike Kennedy is a brilliant scriptwriter and actually has done about four scripts for Mind the Gap in the past. So uh, call out to Mike Kenny yeah. on that. <laughs> um, what character do you play in Boo? Um, so I played Boy. We um, weren't able to get the name, but we were allowed to use the the story so uh, it was more to focus on the characters more than anything but um no it was nice because i got to play in uh, a person without a disability as well because it was uh, and it was it was bizarre because everyone had a disability but there was only one person solely playing a person with disability and um yeah no that was that was so much fun because he went on tour. And that is really unusual as well, of that you said that a disabled person was playing a non-disabled character yeah. and there was only one disabled character in the script, which yeah. is really unusual. So the first time you and me met was yes. when you done Of Mice and Men. Oh, yes. <laughs> and you played the character of Lenny. Yeah. Um, but... I really like Of Mice and Men. I Same. really feel for Lenny's character. But he is a bit manipulative at the same he, time. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a cheeky rascal, is, is the nice way of putting it. He was such a big character to play. I enjoyed every minute of it, but for a while I was terrified of playing it. Not because I didn't want to, is that he's such a well-known, well-loved character. And having to fill those boots is a big responsibility and uh, I, I I hope I did justice but, but yeah no, I, I, I loved that it's one of my favourite things I've done yeah definitely is there any stories of anything that happened during that there was one so there's my very first scene as Lenny and there's so just to give you the idea of the set for people that don't know the show. It was very different. It was done um, from the uh, the story of after everything that has happened and George has gone back to a, a bar and he's gone in to see someone and it's from a bed. So they're on a bed. Uh, like the whole thing is projected down. So change, scenes change from... Um, it being like you could have like grass everywhere and then it would change to corn. What um, happened is they had water by the side of the bed um, for for like washing or, and um, I came running in and I got told by the director, Tim, to splash Jez as much as I could because I had to run in like it was a lake and it like try and get so much water. And Jez, for the whole of the tour, did not know that I was trying to soak him. And I got him a lot. Like, <laughs> I, I would say around about 90% of the time, I soaked him. <laughs> so, yeah, in Off My Cement, you have three people for it. So it was you yes. as Lenny, yep. Jess Corbin as George. George and yeah, a few other, I think a few he, other characters, if I remember correctly. He played like seven 
and then it was Jess. Jess yes. Who played Curly's wife, if I remember correctly, yes. and oh. other characters yeah. as well. I think she played around about six or seven as well. It was mad. It, <laughs> and I was so lucky because I just played Lenny. <laughs> I was like, oh, phew, thank goodness. Uh, <laughs> but no, um, there is a story actually with Curly's wife. There's a bit where a character gets killed by Lenny, and I did the scene. Poor Jess was attached to my dungarees by her hair. And, and yeah, it was, it was horrible because um, I was trying to move and I realized her head was going along while pulling and um, I had clocked what happened and I had to improvise the scene of like, wake up, wake up, please wake up. And then I had to, while doing that, just yank the hair out of the dungaree button. And she's like a trooper. She did not flinch or move. And yet just carried on the scene afterwards. But you'd think that would be the end of it. It happened twice. Flint. In another show. <laughs> uh, you, you don't have luck, do you, mate? No. <laughs> it was more Jess, bless her. <laughs> um, okay. You have done other shows from Mind the Gap. Yeah, it's been great. So, uh, absolute yeah. fun. But yeah, I've done other little things as well. Yeah. With you guys as well. So it's. Um, but let's now go on to your other work in theatre. So, you most recently have been in a show called Private Peaceful, and you talked about how many roles that Jess and mm. Jez had to play yeah. in Of Mice and Men. But on this one, you yeah. also had yes, to play different I, characters. So. Yes, uh, I was Big Joe um, in it, and he's the eldest brother of the, the three Peaceful brothers. So the story of Private Peaceful is the, the two younger brothers go to war, and one lies about their age so they can support their brother. It's how someone's dealing with the trauma of war they're trying to live in their memories to try and collect themselves during the horrible situation of uh, the First World War. So in the first act, I was in quite a lot of it as Big Joe jumping back and forth. In the second part, I was the orderly, sort of the postman. And you were a lot of characters. I was, I was, yes. But um, it was great because I was playing soldiers as well. It was intense because it was around about nearly two hours, yeah. but it was so compact. I described the show as a house of cards on a roller coaster because it had to stay perfect or if one thing would just fall apart. And can you tell us what the company was that you'd done this with? So this was with Nottingham Playhouse. I was very nervous, but they were very welcoming as well and just, just made it feel effortlessly like fun and yeah. exciting i mean i love the piece it was done by the same person that done warhorse oh michael mapurgo yes yeah so um i really enjoyed it i came down and saw it in the nottingham yeah. uh, playhouse and yeah brilliant theater and brilliant show what other theater shows have you done outside of mind okay. the gap i did a a very bizarre one i ended up doing an opera 
I didn't sing because no one would go see it. I was I was acting in it, but I was up there with the the, the singers, which was bizarre. Um, but um, I, I it was uh, Cav Cavalier and Rust. The Kana, I think is, but we call it Cavern Pag. Okay. <laughs> but um, I played um, Torito's brother. It was great, so much fun because it was at um, the you know, and it's the the theatre's beautiful, the atmosphere is amazing, and you, <laughs> it was kind of a pinch yourself moment because you had like the full orchestra down at the bottom, and you could hear it, and you could hear them like tuning, getting ready, and it was just. Well, yeah, it was kind of amazing. <laughs> yeah, I can I imagine. And like, so that was the English National Opera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, yeah, the Mothership was um, my very first one, which was about someone who was able-bodied, and then they drown and they get brain damage, and um, it's seen the character's development and change. But I think I ended up playing four different versions of the same character. I ended up playing the person, an eight-year-old um, who didn't have a disability. Then there was the drowning, and then a 16-year-old with the vulnerability of all that trauma. And then I had to play the 16-year-old that was, like, his eyes had been opened, he'd, he'd changed, and he, it, it was, it was very bizarre, because it was like really jumping back and forth, like flashbacks as well. And that was your first show? That was my first, no pressure, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, you've also been on television. Yes. Um, so you're in Father Brown. Yeah. Then Doctors. Yeah. And then The Stranger. Yeah. So can you tell us a bit about Father Brown and what character, any, any funny stories or...? I'd been trying to get TV work for ages and because they'd seen me do lots of theatre, they thought that's all I wanted to do. But um, no, I'd been wanting to do TV for ages and I was just so lucky that I got a Father Brown role because it's such a nice show to ease into like a different style of media the people were just so um oh, what's the word um like that it it didn't feel like there was pressure it was like effortlessly like easy to just settle in like you felt like you belonged there you really like father brown don't you the actor plays father brown oh mark williams yes i was a a big fan of the Far Show. Oh, shoot you, sir. Uh, <laughs> I loved him in Harry Potter as Arthur Weasley and um, ended up talking to him about, um, I'm going to show my age here, the young ones and Rick Mail and stuff like that. When that we were doing does show team. you, right? Yeah, I, I know, but he, he's, uh, Rick was amazing. Uh, but <laughs> no, that was, that was nice. So he, he, um, when, when we finished, we, we ended up having a nice long chat before I went and, got a photo so it was that was really nice yeah that, that's cool you, the, the, there was a there was a bizarre moment where um we were waiting to start filming for something and literally it was like the tv had come to life because i was sitting with the whole cast and i was like this is weird <laughs> <laughs> just chatting like it's normal <laughs> and old doctors so yeah again it was just <laughs> 
it's so much fun to do TV because it has that safety net of um, you make a mistake. That's fine. We'll just edit it and change it and stuff like that, which is why I like doing both because with theatre, there is no safety net. You have the power of improvisation and luck <laughs> when it yep. comes to, to that. <laughs> there, there is no um, safety net. And again, what I liked about that is that um, I'm always nervous when I'm doing a, a new project because it's just something new. You don't know how it's going to be. And yeah, they're just like, no, don't worry about it. It's all good. It's all good. It, and luckily, some people from Father Brown were actually doing the 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 crew uh, were the crew of the uh, uh, doctors, so it was like a so they already knew yeah <laughs> your quirks and everything. So that's great. There was a lovely thing that happened. So during the ease off of lockdown, I'm guessing quite a lot of actors thought, "Oh, I'm never going to work again. This lockdown, or oh, we're going to be in this horrible rut." And doctors came back to me and asked me to audition for another episode which is kind of bizarre because quite a lot of them don't do that so quickly they give you like two three maybe four years so then they go oh wait a minute it's him from the other episode yeah uh, <laughs> i was very lucky to do a, a covid episode i i was really pleased to do it because it brought the normality back like oh there is a light at the end of the tunnel, and for once, it's not a train. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, that's a, that, that was that was really nice. And now to the strangest, the, yeah. net, the Netflix phenomena. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was that was bizarre. That was really weird because I did not expect that. I I got asked if I wanted to audition, and I I had to think, uh, yes, um, <laughs> but. Um, no, I um, I literally did it. I didn't think I was going to get it at all uh, because I'm like that. <laughs> I did it to just say, you know what? I've auditioned for Netflix kind of, <laughs> kind of thing, like the smugness of me. But I uh, ended up um, getting it and I still can't believe it. It's another pinch yourself moment of, okay. <laughs> it, it was crazy. It was like, number one spot for nine weeks. Like, yeah. What? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything that happened on the set that you can tell us about? So there's not one for the set, but there is one for the audition. And I'm not sure if you know this story. <laughs> so I went for my first audition already nervous, go, oh no, oh God, have I got lines right? Have I, am I going to remember it all? But uh, he goes, I only go, Lou. So went and did the bills up. Ping. What was that? Um, what? My belt buckle had flown off <laughs> and I was like, oh no. <laughs> literally a few seconds before the audition. <laughs> I had to literally hold my jeans up the whole audition. And I, I, I think that might have helped me with the audition. But yeah, um, that was, yeah, that was, that was, that was crazy because I literally had to say during the audition, yeah, the belt buckle broke. I'm, I'm not doing this for character. This is just me 
not <laughs> trying to get arrested. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, and uh, got a second call, and I was like, really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, belt, belt buckles breaking works on auditions. I'll remember that. I say. Okay. <laughs> It may, or, or or you might get a restraining order. One of the two. One way it's going to be memorable. Yes. <laughs> what was your favourite scene in Strangers? Uh, for, for me, um, I think getting to work with Richard Armitage was really nice. Um, and it was a fun scene as well. So it was just... It, it was cool because it was um, seeing my character in um, uh, his cheeky mode of just taking advantage of nicking money off him and just going, that will do, thank you very much. But um, no, I, I, I'm going to be that guy where it was like, I enjoyed all of it because it was so different working for, for Netflix, which is just so surreal. And it was, yeah... It, it was just the whole experience was great. I'm going to be that guy, but I did really enjoy hey. working with Richard. Yeah, that, that's absolutely fine. What's your opinion on representation in theatre and television with, with actors with disabilities? So, I, for me, I, I see it like a, a cog, like a, a wheel moving. I feel like it's moving kind of slowly but it is moving there's there's a show called perfect and it's now got uh, i think the main leads are all people with disabilities and 20 years ago we would not have had that we would have had people portraying people with disabilities yeah. and i feel like that's a i feel like that is a big step forward but i still feel like there's a taboo I still feel like there, there, there should be some sort of tweaks. I remember saying at um, a Dank conference that... Um, so just so listeners you. know, <laughs> so Dank is the Disability Artist Network community run by Shirley Houston, Melissa Jones and the Triple C team, which I plug and I love with all my heart. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, so, uh, yeah, carry on. Um, so I, I said about representation and I said, we're not just our disability. We are, so I'm going to speak from me as a guy. Um, I'm, I'm a brother. I'm an uncle. I'm a partner. We're more than just our disability. Like for me, I would love uh, to see a role where someone is just playing um someone's sibling yeah. not sibling with a disability i think the only one i can think of that's done that is russell t davis in his writing for um years and years where, where ruth played the sister of someone and for the first scene she's sitting on the sofa and that's the whole, like, they're, they're having a conversation and you're learning the character and seeing what kind of person she is. And then in the second scene that you see her, she's in the wheelchair. And I didn't know of Ruth at the time, so I didn't know she was in a wheelchair. And I was like, wow, that's fantastic. I was like, that's, that's how it should be done, where you focus on the character first, then 
you you see that kind of thing. So I've I've I thought that was kind of groundbreaking for for us. Yeah, definitely, and that was Ruth Madley, wasn't it? Yes, from yes. Uh, years and years. Yeah. I think the help of Netflix and casting directors and producers yeah. understanding that we can play these complex characters a lot more. Definitely. Um, and organisations like Dank and um, there's so many that are putting our names out there more. So just keep on the great work you're doing is a thing that I always say. Yeah. We're nearly coming to the end of this, but I want to know what's next for you. What is your next theatre project you want to do or create? Ooh. Ooh. And then I'll go ask the same question about television. Okay. Um, I would love to try and write something. But I think I might need like a, a ghostwritery kind of support thing. I have these ideas yeah. and I feel like it would be fun to try and create something. I would probably want to be in it as well because I'm an actor and I'm, I'm going <laughs> to be like that. But um, no, I've, I would love to try and create something. Even if it's theatre or, or a short film or something, I would love to do something like that. And what about television? I I would really like to play someone with an invisible disability. I feel like there's not a lot of invisible disabilities that are represented, but I'm also going to jump on the bandwagon. Doctor Who as well. Uh, that would be <laughs> fun. Um, but uh, no, uh, to be honest, I'm kind of... I Whatever I'm given, I usually enjoying <laughs> have fun yep and but, it's sell out yeah. as well you usually excel at it as oh, well oh thank you <laughs> um so what's there any advice that you were given uh from school or job center or anything like that is to not give up really lucky i'm a bit stubborn uh so i remember at school once i got asked what i wanted to do career-wise and i said i wanted to be an actor and i literally got shot down with that no you need a real job. What do you want to do career-wise? And I was just like, uh, I don't know. Um, the upside of being stubborn is I, I ended up doing like the college courses and, and the getting to work with Minor Gap and other great things. So I feel like I think I got a proper job. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love how your, yours and my career around that is so much alike because yeah, it's, it's exactly it's, what I had. <laughs> uh, well, it's not a real job. That was from the job centre. And the thing they suggested to me was being a gardener. Oh, now, okay. I've got cerebral palsy, yeah. but my clumsiness yeah. also means that most likely I'll put a fork in my foot. Yeah. So, um, I'm, I'm the same. Um. <laughs> so, I have no idea where the person got that idea from, but oh, yeah. Know. So, I just want to say, a big thank you to you, Rob, um, for being here today. Um, and good luck in your next shows. I can't wait to see them. And thank you for having me. It's been great fun. <laughs> this brings us to the end of this month's podcast. We do hope you enjoyed listening. In next month's podcast, Artistic Director of Little Cog Theatre and artist Vicky Rayford-Sinnett and Creative Practitioner Steph Robson talk about disability and regional voices in the northeast of England. 